0: that you listen very carefully. Uh, this context is for the King of Israel. So that's the uh, literal application, but there are principles that apply to us because as we looked at last week, God has made us kings and priests unto Himself. So these principles apply to us, and uh, we have to be very careful to guard ourselves, so that our judgment is not clouded uh, or foggy. All right, let's read uh, Deuteronomy 17, beginning in verse 14. Deuteronomy 17 and verse 14. When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shalt possess it, and shalt dwell therein, and shalt say, I will set a king over me like as all the nations that are about me, Thou shalt in any wise set him king over thee, whom the Lord thy God shall choose. One from among thy brethren shalt thou set king over thee. Thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, which is not thy brother. That's a very important principle. But he shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt, to the end that he should multiply horses, forasmuch as the Lord has said unto you, Ye shall henceforth return no more that way. What a verse. Neither shall he multiply wives to himself, that his heart turn not away. Neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. And it shall be, when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom, that he shall write him a copy of this law and a book out of that, which is before the priests, the Levites, and it shall be with him, and he shall read therein all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, to keep all the words of this law and these statutes to do them, that his heart be not lifted up above his brethren, and that he turn not aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, to the end, that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. And uh, so we looked at last week Proverbs 31, ways that destroy kings. And we want to look at these uh, rules that the Lord places upon kings. And we should see that these apply to us. And there's great principles that we can apply to prolong our kingship. So people who violate these principles. They will shorten their kingship. Those who apply these principles will prolong their kingship. All right, let's pray. Father, we pray that you'd bless the study. We yield your spirit. We pray that he would uh, lead and guide us, that he'd open our understanding, help us to focus and to study so that we could retain the knowledge and have a good retention and hide it in our heart. We pray that we would honor Thee and glorify Thee as wise stewards, understanding uh, Revelation one six: Thou hast made us kings and priests unto Thyself. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. So we've been discussing how to turn gray to black or white, how to exercise the senses spiritually. And we looked at in 1 Corinthians uh, 2, 9 through 16, there will be a process. This is a chronological order. So these will happen in sequence. After they happen in sequence, these things will begin to interact. So you will add to these things, mix these things. They will uh, relate to one another, and they will interchange. So you have the revealing of what was already present, but you didn't realize it to that point. You'll begin to search things. When you search, you'll begin to know. You will increase in knowledge. When you begin to know, you'll begin to compare. And then when you begin to compare, you will make righteous judgment. So this Judgment will reveal, uh, deals with revealing, searching, knowing, comparing. The comparing relates to judging, searching, revealing, knowing. The knowing relates to revealing, searching, comparing, and judgment. All these things will interact, and this is what the Bible calls understanding. To have an awareness and a comprehension to be able to Size up a situation in real time, and to make a right decision, reach a Biblical conclusion, know what's right or what's wrong, and turn the gray to either black or white. So the carnal mind which is at enmity with God, God will transform that into the mind of Christ. This should be our goal, to be truly spiritual and to repent of all agenda, I call it. Anything that you bring into the situation, your family background, your education, your culture, your race, um, your experiences, family lineage, things that you've learned or subjected yourself to, uh, for in any different aspect of life, you have to repent of this, and when you do, God's going to make your cup run over, He'll make it run over, you'll have the abundant life. So, as we looked at just briefly to remind you last week, what the devil does is he gets people to think if they have a position or a title that there's something, there's someone. But the reality is we need to have the character that qualifies us for the title. So if you're going to be a boss, or a business owner, or a parent, or a husband, or a wife, or a teacher, or uh, an administrator, or a manager, or a governor, any of these types of things, we need to realize that the title should humble us. And once you get the title, you have to do certain things to stay humble. Why? Jeremiah 17:9. 9, the, the heart is desperately wicked above all things, who can know it? So knowledge does what? Puffeth up. The human nature, sinful nature, and then when you have power and a title, and you have some authority, and you have subordinates, those under you, there's a chain of command. Human nature, sinful nature. You need to be very careful to guard yourself so that you don't get the big head. You don't get lifted up with pride. And these principles that we find in uh, Deuteronomy 17 help us to stay humble. So as we looked at Proverbs 4:7, wisdom is the principal thing. And it, all we need, the good news is enough wisdom to know you need wisdom, to know you need it. To know that you are simple and foolish without God. And then you use that tiny bit of wisdom to get wisdom. And then when you get wisdom, you will be um, a wise child of God. So we're going to pick up where we left off last week. Just give you the uh, reminder of the precepts that we gave you uh, by way of introduction Revelation 1.6, every believer is a king. How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as a slave, a servant, defeated, always getting taken advantage of, or a king? God gave you power of a king, and there's power in the word of a king, the Bible tells us, and it's a great title, but God qualifies us for the title. He doesn't just make you a king. He gives you everything you need to be a wise king. All the wisdom you need, all the prudence and discretion, all of the understanding to be a wise and a humble and a great king. Number two, the purpose of the king is to pass judgment, not to lord over others, not to uh, give commands. That's that's not the, the purpose of it. A lot of people think that's what it's all about. The purpose of the king is to know the structure of the laws of God, the statutes, so that he can live them, and then he can pass judgment in every aspect of his life, situations he runs into, what is the right thing to do, How should I do it? Should I do it? When should I do it? How much of it should I do? How forceful should I be? How critical should I be? Should I raise my voice or not? Should I forgive and have mercy? Or should I hold them to the letter of the law? You you will be a wise king if you understand the purpose is not just to be the man on top, or just to have the power or the authority. Uh, and number, number three, we looked at, in passing judgment, the king reigns. So you will not reign if you do not pass judgment. You have to pass judgment. You have to make decisions. You know, if, if you're a, an observant person, you begin to realize, I have to make a lot of decisions here. Uh, especially in, in managing a household, raising a family, uh, working at a business, building a, in a project, all the organization, all the things that are involved, you have to make a lot of decisions. How are you going to rule and reign and not get taken advantage of? How are you going to rule and reign wisely? You have to judge. So once again, The devil wants people to get a title without being qualified or try to be a big shot and boss people around without first judging wisely. You know, people like to reign. I'll decide this. Uh, I'll make this decision. Uh, But you can build a lot of resentment in the hearts of people if you're not qualified and you don't judge wisely. So that's very, very important. So we got into the study tonight. Number four, the king is to guard himself from the ways that destroy his ability to judge. This will not just happen. It doesn't come naturally. We have to decide in wisdom. I will purposely know these principles so that I can guard myself so that my judgment will not be clouded. So I will not be tempted to compromise, to take shortcuts. And the Bible plainly says God hates a false balance. He hates those that take advantage of the poor. He hates those that give exceptions to the rich. Very, very important principles. So if we understand human nature is pride to be puffed up, to be lifted up, it's an upward expanding type of uh, spirit, that's the natural thing that's going to happen. We have to humble ourselves that He will lift us up. And so these principles help us stay humble so that... We don't get the big head. At one of our, uh, when we worked at a McCormick place on uh, Lake Michigan when we were at Bible College, we were security guards, just basically deterrence. But they picked this Puerto Rican bus guy, nothing against that race, but came out of government housing poverty. They made him the boss, and he decided... I'm going to hurt as many people as I can. And we had this joke that every week we'd go to work and he needed to buy a new hat because his head was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, And, you know, he didn't deserve it, and he took advantage of people. He's very bossy and very cruel and very merciless. Uh, You don't want to be that way. The Bible says, by truth and mercy, iniquity is purged. You hold them to the truth. You have to forgive. You have to God is a God of forgiveness, praise the Lord. God of a second chance to the nth degree. So we're going to look at these principles. Um number one, this is a great principle. They could not choose a king that was of another people. It it plainly tells us that he had to be of the brethren in verse 15, and thou mayest not set a stranger over thee which is not thy brother. Human nature is so wicked. You know, I heard that London, England, has a Muslim mayor from India or somewhere, maybe not from India. Uh, that would be Hindu. But uh, why in the world would you put that type of person as your leader? Why are they electing these people who are not the brethren? I'm not talking about being saved. The principle of believing like you do or the society of America, for instance, which we live, why would they elect people who are foreigners, who don't even know American history, don't love America? They're violating the whole principle. You know, I heard, uh, I'm not sure if it's all true, a little true, that people got in power in the his Texas Historical Commission. I think this is true. They hired some man. He said, I'll never hire another Texan to work at the Alamo. I mean, this is what we're, that's... Un, just wicked. They get in power, they're not the brethren. And they shouldn't be from Connecticut or Vermont. It's very, figure that one out. They're not the brethren. Not Americans. They're not loyal to America. They're not defending our borders. You know what's going on out there? They're not the brethren. Who's electing these people? It doesn't make any sense. So, You should be the brethren. That's what I'm pointing out. All we can do is be what we can. If you're going to be the king, be the brother to the brethren. Know the people, the spirit, have loyalty, have fellowship, have communion, have camaraderie. There's nothing worse when they bring in a stranger and they start bossing everybody around than they don't belong. You know what? It's happening all over in our society. So, if you ever get power to hire the king, look up a brother. Um, So, there are three things that the king had to do to keep him humble so that he wouldn't be lifted up and so that he could do what? Judge wisely, therefore, reign over what God gave him to uh, manage. That's what a steward is. So the first one is that he could not multiply horses. So I want you to look there at verse 16. But he shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt, to the end that he should multiply horses, for as much as the Lord has said unto you, ye shall henceforth return no more that way." Now remember, uh, Egypt was known for their horse flesh, kind of like Spain is known, the Arabian stallion. And the temptation for the king was to have an immense herd of high quality horses. And this had two implications. First of all, the king would begin to trust in his cavalry and his chariots, not in the Lord. If he had so many horses, he could count them and multiply them. And God was trying to keep him humble so that the numbers were down, so that if he ever had to go to battle, he had to stay right with God in his book so that the Lord would fight the battle and win the battle. And he couldn't... uh, Depend upon the numbers of the horse herd and the cavalry. Now, remember, Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. He violated all three of these. That's what every. When we went to Megiddo, and Brother Horgesheimer will tell you, overlooking Armageddon, where the battle's gonna take place, they take you and show you Solomon's horse stables. He, He had an immense horse herd. He, he shouldn't have done this. And what did it do? Stole his heart. He was lifted up with pride. Now, that's the first implication. You'll begin to trust in your own resources and not in God's provision. The second thing, God says you shall return no more that way. Egypt represents the world. It's into the south. And it represents the philosophies of the world, the rudiments of the world, the philosophies of men, excuse me, and the ways of this world. And the Bible says, love not the world. If any man loved the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And so, if he was going to multiply horses, he had to send a lot of people down to Egypt to remind them that what God saved them from and delivered them from the 400-year slavery under Pharaoh, the cruel satanic dictator, and they would learn the ways of Egypt. Now, I know this is deep truth. If you don't go to Egypt, you'll never learn the ways of Egypt. If you're never around Egypt, you won't know what an Egyptian's like, and you won't live like an Egyptian. So, God was saying, I called you out, be separate. Be different. Be peculiar. Be the royal priesthood of peculiar people. Don't go back down there. If he did, Solomon didn't do that, what happened? Rehoboam comes along, splits the kingdom. He did not prolong his kingdom with his sons. The kingdom split with Jeroboam and Rehoboam right after Solomon violated all these principles. So don't multiply horses. How many do you need? I don't know. That's between you and God. Nothing wrong with having horses, but if you're trusting in horses for your safety and protection and your glory and your reputation, you got problems because horses are... Great pets, but they could be hay burners. But he had so many, he had chariot, just stables and stables for all of his chariot horses. Uh, so, what does that mean? Don't multiply horses represents don't be like the world. Don't think like the world. Don't dress like the world. Don't have the world's mentality. Don't haunt the same places. Don't patronize uh, and be separate. Know that God has called you out of the world. Number two, He could not multiply wives. Look at verse 17. Neither shall He multiply wives to Himself, that His heart turn not away, neither shall He greatly Multiply to himself silver and gold. So the second way to, to keep yourself is this principle, you cannot multiply wives. Now, we know Solomon violated this. He had 1,300 concubines, I believe. Just think of that. You know, you're, there's a lot of married people here tonight. It's a relationship. One-on-one takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of energy. Can you imagine having a thousand marriages? I I can't even imagine two. Can you imagine being married to a thousand people and then having 300? What would happen? Your heart's going to be stolen. It's going to be like uh, the Chinese call it scattered shin. It's just going to go. You can't focus. You can't do one thing. Uh, Think about that. He could have a different date with a wife for three years in a row. Now think about that. A date with a different wife, three years in a row, and not the same wife. How do you think that's going to work out? Not very good. I mean, I don't even know. I can't even comprehend it. Having to buy all the jewelry and, you know, what is this one like? What's her favorite food? That... For three years, every night, and but what Solomon violated that, and what happened? He lost the kingdom. He lost. He did not prolong it. And you know, you think about the principle. It plainly says they will turn your heart from God. You know, I really believe this. I know he that hath friends must show himself friendly. I'm probably not friendly enough. I apologize for that. I'll work on that. But the more relationships you have, the less time and heart and love you have for God. And you say, well, I can do both. Well, he didn't tell Solomon that. The principle is the more close relationships you have, it's going to turn your heart from God. Now, I'm not saying you ought to be rude and have no friends. You ought to have friends. And there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother, and he that showeth himself friend, uh, hath friends, shows himself friendly. But we only have so many thoughts, so much energy, so much time in a day to be a wise king. We need to simplify, and I call it downsize. You know, most people can't handle one wife and love God. I, I, I've seen it over and over. Some guy's doing great. He loves God. He meets a woman. He gets with this woman. And then he doesn't love God like he used to love God. And, he, and that woman doesn't, she's nothing but a distraction. And she steals his heart. Look what Solomon did. He built them temples to false gods. He committed abomination. Um, All over Israel right now, they're finding archaeological sites of some of Solomon's temples that he built to his heathen wives. He couldn't handle it. Most men can't handle women, they're powerful. You know, I, I tell women that all the time you're powerful. You may not think you are, you've got a lot of power. You can you can control and influence a man for God, or you could manipulate and turn a man away from God. How art the mighty fallen? A woman. <laughs> so a woman. What'd she do? Lift weights, take steroids? Nah, she was be- She was beautiful, alluring, seductive. Deceived him. See it happen all the time. Women, I always say, it, use your power for God. Amen. Um, so the principle of the horses, don't go back to Egypt. And don't trust in your own resources. Number two, minimalize your affections. You know, we, you have to. You can't love everything. You're going to be pulled this way and that way and this way. And then you'll say, well, how do I please everybody? Um, I won't please anybody. <laughs> uh, per- you ever heard that one, why if somebody won't come to church? They say, well, you know, I studied it. There's so many denominations and so many beliefs about Christianity, and every one of them believes there's right, so I'm not going to any of them. That's what happens. Um, so be careful. Next, we read it in verse 17. Verse 17. It says, and he shall not multiply unto himself silver and gold. Now, why? Love not the world. The Bible says if any man will be rich, if he even wants to be, if it's a fantasy, if it's a hidden goal in his heart that he pierces himself through with many sorrows. Uh, You know, money is for this world. God always gives us what we need. He'll prosper us His way and His time. It's not a sin to be rich. It's just a sin to love money. It's not a sin to have a lot of money. It's not a sin to make a lot of money. It's a sin to love money. So you could be dirt poor and love money and be judged by God, Or you could be filthy rich and not love money and be blessed by God. The love of money is the root of all evil. Depends on who and what you love. So we all need money. We all would like to make more money. We'd like to make investments. We'd like to provide for our family. Just you cannot love money. What did Solomon do? Became the richest man in the world. He violated everything God told him to do. And what did it do? It clouded his judgment and then what happened? He could not reign. And so let's look at verse 18 of Deuteronomy 17. It says, And it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write him a copy of this law and a book out of that which is before the priest, the Levites." So he had to handwrite his own copy of the Word of God. And look what it says, verse 19. And it shall be with him, and he shall read therein all the days of his life. So the king could not read what the scribes recorded. He had to read from the Word of God that he wrote. That makes it more powerful, right? That put a lot of time. Double, triple check. Double, tr- spelling check, read the book that you copied. Why? Look what it says, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, to keep all the words of this law and these statutes to do them. So, the personal study of the Word of God teaches us the fear of the Lord. You know, a lot of people, they won't read the Bible, they take it casually, they don't study the Bible, they don't memorize it, They don't know the doctrine. They don't take it serious. And I'll guarantee you, they don't fear the Lord. They have no reverential awe, a holy, healthy fear of the Lord. The king's required to do this. If you want to prolong your kingship, you better get right with this book right here. It better have coffee stains, uh, torn pages. It better be studied better be warned you better know this book so what was the purpose of writing this copy look what it says Um, verse 20 that his heart be not lifted up above his brethren just because you're a king doesn't mean you're better than anybody else doesn't mean that you're to be lifted up and look down in condescension on other people keeps you humble. And that it says, and that he turn not aside from the commandment to the right hand to the left. So this will humble you and keep you going on the will of God doing the right thing. You won't turn aside. So notice you won't be lifted up and you won't turn aside. You'll stay humble and you'll stay on the straight and the narrow way And your eye will be single. And you won't turn to the right hand or the left. And when you do this, look what it says will happen. Look at the end of verse 20. To the end, that he may prolong his days in the kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. So, to live a long life, the goal according to Proverbs, to live a long, lengthy, healthy life and to have length of days and long life, and to prolong it. How are you gonna do that? By applying these principles. It's very sad when there's a lot of used-to-be's and has-been's turn who used to be something for God. They lost their kingship. They lost their kingship. Now I want you to think about, I'm through. We are to rule and reign as a king, not in pride and arrogance and haughtiness. How do we do that? We judge right from wrong, according to this book. This gives us the power to rule and reign. Now, why is it then so many professing Christians are defeated? They're mopey, they're depressed, they're woe is me, they can't smile. They're always focusing on the negative. They're always down in the dumps. They're always complaining. They're always looking for an excuse to fail, looking for a reason to justify failure. And they're defeated by food. They're defeated by drink. They're defeated by substance. They're defeated by sleep. They can't even get out of bed when the alarm clock goes off. It's, it's really strange. They're not a king. They're not. They can't even control what they put in their mouth. They can't control what they look at, what they listen to, what they think about. They can't control where their body goes. Utterly defeated. And then what happened? They go down into Egypt. And the Egyptians tell them what to do. The wicked uh, heathen wife tells them what to do. And now they're too worried about their horse breeding uh, ranch. And they're building bigger barns for all their horse. They're totally distracted and they lose their kingship. What does it say? If we do these things, this will prolong your kingship. It's the only way to be a king. Uh, now, we all struggle. We know a just man falleth seven times, riseth up again. We help a brother up. We restore such in one in the spirit of meekness, considering ourselves, lest we also be tempted. But we need to understand the power of these principles will help us to prolong the kingship. Solomon violated everyone. His son, Rehoboam blew it the first son that inherited all of his riches blew it and and the kingdom was split and Israel is suffering to this day until the second coming of Christ because Solomon did not do what God told him to do